Well, it's good to be back on home turf. I've thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity the last couple of weeks to be preaching down at camp and to be involved in all that's going on down there. And, and I just give thanks for the opportunity I've had to, uh, to not only do that, but to, to draw closer to a lot of our youth in ways that I don't get for, for much of the year. I, I, I wish I could share everything and go into to what I've seen him do, uh, but just trust that he's been at work. And um, it was funny, um, one, one, one kid from camp, not one of ours, but a kid from another church came up to me afterwards to, to, to pay me a, a compliment, I believe, and he said, boy, you must be a, a pastor of a megachurch. <laughs> and I said, well, unity is no megachurch, but we serve a mega God, and uh, they're, they're a great church, and I'm happy to go home to that church. So uh, I'm thankful that we serve a mega God who's, who's had a great big mega plan to save us. And that plan is not done because he's coming soon. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's bow in prayer and talk to our mega God and ask him to be with us as we go through the scriptures. Father, we thank you for um, just being a part of our lives. Uh, Lord, we didn't deserve that. And you went through everything necessary in order to make that possible by sending your son, Jesus. And so as you have set a date when you will send him again to bring us home, Lord, we pray that we would pay attention to not only the signs that are going on in the world, but the things that are going on in our own heart, maybe things that we can't see ourselves, but which you want to do surgery on and to continue to grow us in our faith. And so, Lord, we just give you our hearts this morning that we would hear the gospel. I pray that you would take my heart, mind, and my lips and have me to speak only what you've ordained for this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn to Second Peter chapter 3. We've been working through this book and we're almost done. We're almost there. Just a couple, couple of these left. Peter's been working hard to make sure that we know that we're listening to the truth, that we have the prophets and the scriptures so that we know God will never lie to us. We can bank on those things. But to be warned that there are people who will come in with false ideas, false teaching, false prophecies, and try to steer us in different directions. Not that all those voices would come from the outside. He says, beware of the ones that will actually come from the inside. And so we need to stick to this truth to make sure we know what is the truth and we can gauge then what is false coming in our midst? Because he says, you, you don't want to miss the fact that the Lord is coming back. And as a result of his coming back, which is called the day of the Lord, the day on which he will destroy his enemies and, and ultimately save his own people and take us home, that since that day is coming, it should affect the ways we are living today. What we know he has done in the past and we know what he's going to do in the future should affect the way that we are living now. Just the same way like in a marriage. I know that in the past, when some of you got married, you made vows because you were in love. And then for the future, you have this idea of being retired together or, or having that. And, and in order to, to, to build upon that past of the vows that you made and get to that place of having that sweet, long life together, you better do what's right in the present, correct, in that relationship. So, so in the same way, knowing what God's done in the past and in the future, having that relationship with them now is critical so you stay on that path of faithfulness and always keeping your eye exactly where it's supposed to be. So he's been talking about this day of the Lord coming, and we come to chapter 3, verse 14, where he says, Therefore, which means therefore, since this day is coming, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So I'm just going to read that again because this is the verse we're going we're gonna to hunker down on today. Therefore, beloved... Since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So that seems pretty easy. But we've been talking even last week about how sometimes when it says, hey, be 
found without spot or blemish that we feel like there would be a checklist of things that we need to do or not to do. And as long as we work those things out, then we will be without spot or blemish. That's not where we start, though. Certainly there are things that we are to do, and certainly there are things that we are not to do, but we don't go to those things first because if we try to do those things, we'll end up in the wrong space. This actually says that we're to be found by him without spot or blemish, so let's talk about those things. When I say the word spot, what are some of the first things you think of? I don't don't know about you, but I think of stains. I remember one time when I was little, um, and, and my mom and dad, they had a light tan carpet, and I don't know what I was doing, but for some reason I was walking across that carpet with a bunch of mustard. And that mustard was not in my hands anymore, suddenly was on that floor. And we did the, the best we could to get that mustard out of the carpet. And maybe you all have a better uh, stain remover than we've got, something your grandma taught you. I don't know, but we could not get that spot out. So anytime I walked through that floor, I constantly remembered there's a spot. You had this beautiful carpet all around, but all the time it was always a reminder of that time that, you, that I failed. And so Jesus says, you need to be found without spot. There shouldn't be stain there. And so I go back to some of those things and, and, and think about stain in my life. Any of you have those moments where you tried, but you dropped and now you can't. But think about the time that you failed. And what about blemishes? Now, I'll ask this about the one. What's the first thing when, when you think of when I say the word blemish? Right. You think of how maybe even this morning you were standing in the mirror looking at the blemish on your face and 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 you've been trying all the 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 cleansing creams and the cover-ups and you've been poking and pushing and doing all the things you to try to get rid of that blemish right and so we think of those things as as these are that's something on me that not only is on the outside but it's it's affecting the way i see myself and so when we come to removing spots and blemishes in, in our spirituality sometimes we always think of the things in the past that we've dropped and there's the spot and i can never that thing removed but we think of the blemishes where it's here's things i see about myself that i need to cover up and 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 if we look at those things and go straight to those and try to do it ourselves we will fail so what is he talking about he says here to be diligent about this to be found by him without spot or blemish i don't know about you but sometimes i'm like i'm gonna try to do all the good things so jesus will make sure to know that i'm well that's not what he wants in first peter it says this about jesus It says that you were not purchased, you were not ransomed with perishable things such as silver or gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So what he's referring to is is the fact that because you were full of sin, you did have spots and it wasn't just one. Your entire life was a big spot, a big, ugly stain. And I don't know about you, but my stains, when I get them on my floor... I wipe it up once and it looks like it's clean, but then dirt is always attracted to that same spot. There was nothing that was able to to wash out your spot and you were full of blemish. It wasn't just something on your face. It was in your entire body, soul and spirit was a blemish because you were full of wickedness. And so it says that when God saw your spot and we saw your blemish, the way that he took care of that wasn't to get you to try to go fix it. What he did was he sent Jesus, the precious lamb of God who was without spot or blemish. Back in the Old Testament, they would have sacrifices. They would bring a lamb, a bull, a goat. They would bring them in. And and when they gave that sacrifice, it had to be one that was perfect. What that mean? It couldn't have spot or blemish. A blemish could have been anything like blindness. It could be, uh, uh, it was lame. Just something wrong with that lamb. You could never bring something that was kind of like a half-hearted attempt to help God out. 
It needed to be perfect. And all of that was showing the fact that one day, because all of us are imperfect, we needed a perfect substitute for us. We needed a sacrifice on our behalf because of that spot or blemish in your life. Death was going to ensue, but God didn't want you to die. He gave a sacrifice. And so it wasn't those lambs or bulls and goats. That was all a picture of Jesus, who, as the son of God, came to buy you, to ransom you out of your spot, blemish and death and to bring you into righteousness and peace and life. And so when we start with Jesus, it says we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. That's without spot or blemish. He's the lamb of God. And so when we pray that prayer, Lord, please forgive me. Please save me. God takes Jesus's blood and covers us so that we're without spot or blemish. He took all of our blemishes and all of our spots and put it on a Jesus. And now we live in Jesus. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see our spot or blemish. He sees the righteousness of Jesus that he gave us. It's called the great exchange. We gave him our spot and blemish, our sins. He gave us his righteousness, his holiness, his cleanliness, his life. And so since we're in Jesus, we did that maybe that first day. We said, I want to be saved. Please forgive me my sin. And then we strike out in our Christianity and we struggle because when it says be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, we constantly try in our own doings to get that done. And my friends, you will get tired doing that. I met a young man this last week after one of the chapel services. He was bawling his eyes out. And I asked the young man, uh, I said it wasn't from our church. I asked the young man, um, what's going on? He said, I just keep trying and I keep trying and I keep trying to show God how much I love him and to do the right things. And I just can't do it anymore. This kid is in junior high. He should have all the energy in the world. And yet with all of his energy, he couldn't get it right. He needed to know that when God removes your sin, when he takes away that spot or blemish, he doesn't expect you to be the one to continue to do that all the time. It's now him living in you. You're in him. So when it says to be found by him without spot or blemish, it's actually pointed to the fact that in order to be found without spot or blemish by him, you have to remain in him because in him is where that safety is. Let me give you an illustration of this. We have a sweet little dog named Honey. It's a cockapoo, part cocker spaniel, part poodle. I uh, love that dog. She's very obedient, very uh, just, just precious to our family. And so in order to, to love and help and protect Honey, what we did was we built a fence around our, our backyard. And so one of the things that we try to do all the time is to make sure that when we let Honey out, we make sure that she's let out into the fenced yard. Now, as long as she's in the fenced yard, we have a pretty good idea that she is safe. She's where she needs to be. She's protected. She could do whatever she needs to do. What the dogs do. We know that's going to be in a protected space. But when we go outside and we maybe see a gate was left open or, or, or something like that, suddenly there's a panic that sets in, in us because where she was supposed to be inside and that'd be a safe place for her to be. Suddenly, honey might be outside the fence. And if honey is outside the fence, there's all kinds of dangers that could that could lurk towards her outside the fence, maybe even unaware to her. So she might get outside the fence. And just like on the inside, there was squirrels and it was safe to chase in there. Once she starts chasing a squirrel on the outside of the fence, that squirrel might run across the street just at the same time a car is driving by. That suddenly is a terrible reality for Honey and for the Hudson family. And so God asks us, hey, you, you, you can't go to try be safe on the 
outside of Jesus. You can't say I was safe, but now I'm going to I'm going to just kind of make my way somewhere else and, and and protect myself out in the world. He says, no, inside the world, your fence, your garden is Jesus. You have to remain in him. And what does that look like? Because we don't we don't have a fence. But I want you to picture it more like putting on clothes. Right. You are all very diligent about putting on clothes, aren't you? And I, for one, am thankful that you are uh, this. Uh, we, we, we are diligent about that. So every day you make it a point. You are you are actively engaged in the process of putting on clothes because you want to be found in clothes that are clean and spotless and without blemish and and maybe ironed. And you do that to present yourself in the same way in order to present yourself uh, before Christ. You don't have to go throw on your own shirt. What it actually says in Scripture is you need to be clothed in Christ. You need to be diligent about the fact that you can't be dressed in your own good deeds. It has to be Jesus who clothes you. And when you do do good things, which we should be doing what he wants us to, not doing what he doesn't want us to, but it's him working in us. We're inside of Christ doing those things. It's still his righteousness. So Peter is saying that be diligent the same way you'd be diligent about put it on clothes, put on Jesus. In fact, in Colossians, it says it this way. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says this, set your minds on the things that are above, not on things on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. That said, since Jesus Christ has died and you're one of his, you have died with him now and your life is hidden in God with Christ. And so he says, be careful what you think about. If you're clothed in Christ, that's going to help you to think about the right things. If you're clothed in Christ, that's going to help you to go and, and watch over the what you're, you're purchasing power out in the world. If, if, if you are clothed in Christ, it's going to affect the way that you go to your job or you treat your employees or you treat your children or you treat your parents. If you're in Christ, you're being clothed in him and that changes the game. And so we need to continue to, to, to live diligently to be found in him without spot or blemish. And then it goes on and says this in the last part of Second Peter 3, 14. It says also to be at peace. I know as soon as I say. Be diligent to be at peace. There are some of you who says, I, I pastor, I haven't felt peace in a, a very long time. In fact, it was interesting, again, the illustration at camp. We had this opportunity at the close of one of the services on one side of a big board where they could write something that had shipwrecked in their life, something that was really tough, just a, a, a really hard thing. And on the opposite side of the board was an opportunity to show how God rescued in that thing. But when you went and you looked at the shipwreck side, a majority of those students had some way or form been talking about the fact that I don't feel a peace. I don't feel a peace at my school. I don't feel a peace in my family. I don't feel a peace in the way I've been making decisions. I don't feel at peace. And I think that's a, a major concern about all of us deep inside our, our heart. I don't feel at peace. And so if, if I'm supposed to be diligent being found at peace, what am I to do? Where do I go get that peace? Can I, can I go to Carly C's and just buy a dozen of it? No, it doesn't work that way. God doesn't sell peace. He doesn't allow it to rise and bake it and then give it out like that. What he says is, if you want peace, I am your peace. Let me, let me read you something from 2 Thessalonians. This is, comes from chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. This is at the close of the book, and it says in verse 16, 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord will be with you. I love that. Let me read that again. It says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every ways. The Lord be with you all. And so in Second Thessalonians, Paul is saying this. Hey, there's this God who is Lord Almighty. We always say the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And it says right there that he is the Lord of peace. There is there is nothing that is in control of peace apart from Jesus. No matter what the advertisements on the TV tell you, nothing can bring you peace. It can't be a pill. It can't be an exercise. It can't be a program. It can't be a resort. Nothing will give you the peace that you're looking to satisfy your soul other than the king of peace, the Lord of peace. In fact, it's interesting that Jesus, in, in, in coming to bring peace, actually set a physical place to remind us of his peace by having his temple and the place where the people would meet with him there called Jerusalem, which means the city of peace. Salem, at the end of that word, means peace. And Jesus is the king there. And so literally, you could see at the place of the temple, you would go to that place to see God showing you visibly through sheep and goats and bulls being sacrificed, that when he forgives you, he also calls you into his presence so you could be living with him, in relationship with him. And that's where peace is, not apart from him, not outside him. He is the king of peace. And so you may write on your shipwrecked side and say, there's this wreckage in my life. And as a result of that, I literally I can't find peace at all on the opposite side. Here's what I recommend when you go to to the rescue side. Is that you will find no other rescue unless you find yourself in the presence of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus. Because that second Thessalonians three said this now may the Lord of peace, the king of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every ways, even in the hardest of situations. And then he has this tag, the Lord be with you all. You're not going to be promised that the circumstance that's causing you unpeace. Is there a better word for unpeace? Not peaceful. That that circumstance is necessarily going to be taken away, but I can guarantee you this, in the hardest moments of your Maybe even the one that you're struggling with now, even though that circumstance and situation might not be taken away, there's somebody who will go into that circumstance with you. He will be with you. The Lord be with you all. So let the Lord of peace himself give you his peace in all times and in every way. His promise is that he will never leave you or forsake you. So back in Peter, he's saying, be diligent not only to be found by him without spot or blemish, that is to remain in Jesus, that his righteousness clothe you, but also that you be found to be at peace with him and through him. I'm sure for some that's just, I, I desire that. I want to be in that place. Something that Peter told in Acts chapter 3 to the Jews who for much of their history, they had the law of the do's and the don'ts that God had put forward before them. He didn't give that to them because he thought by them doing that, they would somehow save themselves. The scripture says that he gave them the law to show them that they couldn't do it and as a result needed a savior. And so as Peter is reflecting upon that to the Jews, he tells the Jews, may you find refreshment in the presence of the Lord. Not in going to do a bunch of stuff, not in trying to go... Uh, 
show off to other people your righteousness or make them think that you're doing enough, you will get refreshment. You will get that peace. You will be found without spot or blemish at nowhere else except in the presence of God. Right there in his midst, clothed in him, with him. Those, those keep being the words there, with him, in him. This last week, there was a young man who was a Gentile who decided that he wanted to follow Judaism, that he would follow a lot of the Old Testament law, that uh, he believed in Jesus, but he decided he was going to try to keep the feasts and, 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 and keep the commandments to the best of his ability. And, and so even at times during worship, he had put a little skull cap on, um, a little yarmulke on his head, and, and he, would, he would worship. But as, as he began to talk and observe, his, his motivation was a lot of times to do, 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 to be able to satisfy God and make him love him more. And it was beautiful by the end of the week to watch him, even as he continues on in, in, in this Judaic pra- practice, is to see that these things were given not as an opportunity to somehow find more peace or to make sure that God saw him without spot or blemish, but was to remember the fact that all of the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament said, you need to run to him for his grace because it's right there in his presence where you continue to remember that it's not about how much you do for him, but how much he's done for you. And then the entirety of our life is an opportunity to just thank him back and to say, God, I love you for what you've done. And this man went away in a, in a, a more free sense, recognizing that he is clothed in Christ, not with the clothing of Pharisees. And so today, you have that opportunity too, as we, we, just, we just again have that, that sight of in the beginning, after he created all of humanity, including you and I, have just continued to sin. But God in his love, because he so loved the world, sent his one and only son, Jesus, that he would die on that brutal cross, an execution machine, the death that we deserved. And in that moment, when we call upon him, he takes our sin, he died for it, but he also takes his righteousness, that place without spot or blemish, and he gives that to us, that we might be clothed in that, not just on the day when you prayed for forgiveness, but each and every day as you're in Jesus Christ, then that's what God sees is Christ's righteousness over you. So I don't know about you when I just reflect on the gospel and see the effect that it's had on my life and on on many of your lives. And I see that at work. It just makes me want to praise the Lord. It makes me want to respond and to say, Lord, today, would you help me not to live in my own righteousness? Would you help me to remember that Jesus has washed me and clothed me and he doesn't expect me to be able to get it all right? What he expects me is to, to do is to trust him, to be diligent just as diligent as clothing myself or checking my mirror in the face or, or, or doing all that, just to, to be diligent. To be clothed in Jesus. And in that space, in his presence, it, that's where the satisfaction's at. That's where you'll find peace, even in the hardest of times. And so that kind of good news makes me say, man, I just want to tell God, God how good he's been. Not that he doesn't know it, but God loves when his people understand that and take it to heart and say, Lord, just thank you for revealing that to me. And I want I want that to be a part of my life. And so let's respond with that. Let's let's respond in prayer at this time. I'm just going to pray this morning. And if you were going to flow into some worship and at any time during my prayer or during that time of worship. As we stand together, you're going to be able to come on down and and pray at the front. If you see a friend maybe who's coming down to pray, would you come pray with them? 
Um, it's good to surround one another and come, to come together in the Lord and just pray each other towards the presence of Jesus. And so, Father, this morning, we just thank you for your good gospel. We thank you for the Bible telling us the past, the present, and the future, and all that you have done, despite of our wickedness and our ways of trying to do it ourselves, and sometimes just flat out trying to rebel against you. And yet, by your love and your persistence, you have pursued and made possible the way of salvation through Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that today we wouldn't try to earn it ourselves, Lord, that we wouldn't try to uh, accomplish holiness through our own actions and deeds, but rather that, that we would continue in Jesus, that we would stay in that fence, that we would stay clothed in him because we know that in that space, which is in you, Lord, that that's where our righteousness is. Help us then to live that out in a way that's not trying to earn, but Lord, just trying to, to say thank you. We live in gratitude. And Lord, we pray for those who are maybe struggling with, with trying to gain peace. Would I pray that, that you would just be the Lord of their peace that you would give them that peace by your presence, knowing that, that you're with them in that difficulty, and you'll begin to lead and guide and, and refresh them in the, that midst. And so, Lord, for those who are maybe struggling in these areas, Lord, we ask that you would move upon them to, to draw them closer to you, um, that they would, they would take those opportunities, maybe not to seek out the things of the world, but to seek you out in a daily, diligent way. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for, for all you've done for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Would you stand with me together if you're able? And let's reflect on how, Lord, how, how good the Lord has been and, and uh, tell Him that we love Him this morning. I stood a sinner Covered in my guilt and shame Nothing to my name but sin and death but sin and death and then you came eternal blood was spilled for me and mercy cleansed me complete cleansed me complete oh, oh you love me shame nothing to my name but sin and death sin and death and then you came no blood was spilled for me grace and mercy cleansed me complete cleansed me complete When 
I stood a sinner, you loved me. I love 